following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. Hey, where y'all at? It is a thrill. I love this show. You're telling me a big fat lot. I was hoping for funny crazy. I will get on stage on Broadway and I will reenact the rantings of Charlie Sheen one day. Think you can replace me with some other guy? Go ahead. It won't be the same. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. Do not bring Shakespeare into this. You're so smart. Oh, really? Well, so are you. And yes, the rumors are true. They smoke, they drink, they use bad language in mixed company. They're extremely rich and they can flash more bling than most posses in this room. I know exactly who that is. That's the mother that loses every goddamn game. That's Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Get rid of him. Wow. Bros, come on. I love you, bros. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me, Savior! And we're back. Take a little break since the first round flame out of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But it is time to start getting ready for football season. Welcome to the Bob Matthews Podcast. Delighted that you have joined us, everyone. And thanks, as always, to the good folks at DraftKings for making it possible. OTAs, session number one for the Washington Commanders, are done. And our good friend, Commanders Insider, Pete Big Dog Haley from NBC Sports Washington, is going to join us in just a few minutes. In case you haven't noticed, yes, that is in fact Pete's new nickname. He is the Big Dog. And remember, the opera ain't over till the Big Dog howls. And I'm sure Pete will be howling for us in just a couple of minutes. He was out at OTAs yesterday. He will join us with his observations and we will see what is coming next. An interesting offseason for the Washington Commanders. We're going to hear from Ron Rivera in just a couple of minutes. He is going to tell you how there were four Commanders, notably starters, that were not there. And Pete is going to tell you how one of those, a couple of those actually, not a big deal. But one, well, not a big deal, not a small deal either. So with that, let's fire it up and get to some of our training camp and OTA news and notes. Generally speaking, Ron Rivera seemed somewhat pleased with what he saw on the field. I don't know that you can expect anything less or anything more considering it was the first time the players have been on the field this year. We talked to him about the commander's new first-round wide receiver, Jahan Dotson. We talked to him about their new quarterback, Carson Wentz. And we also talked to him about the missing players that were not there, including Chase Young, who continues to rehab in Colorado. Well, I know um, as far as Montez is concerned, he had the personal thing he was taking care of. We expect him back tomorrow. Um, Chase, for the most part, is working with his uh, rehab. He's met with the doctors. They formulated a plan. He's completing that right now. Uh, we will have him here eventually. and I believe the next couple of weeks he'll be here. Um, Terry, obviously, we're working through with his contract. I'm not going to get into specifics about that. Um, and who was the other one? Uh, Cam Sims. And Cam had a personal thing, family. I think he's having a baby. So uh. he's excused as far as that's concerned. So that's why those four aren't here. Um, but the guys that were here, very pleased with what we got out there in, uh, in spite of the weather today. I know you don't want to get into specifics, but what updates, if any, can you provide on the Terry contract situation? Uh, just that we're, we've had communications with them, we've been working with them, and, um, you know, it's just a matter of time. To quote Eddie Wilson, that's all you're going to get from me, word man. By the way, that was Sam Fortier of the Washington Post that asked that follow-up question. Kudos to him. 
So that it is what it is. Uh, you, again, these workouts are voluntary. Uh, you also, and we'll talk to Pete about this, saw Deron Payne uh, leave the field uh, after the individual drills. Uh, I don't make too much of that either. I think that he's a guy that's coming into a contract year. The last thing you need is to pull a Reuben Foster and, and blow out an Achilles in a non-contact drill and then your career is screwed. He was still there, went to meetings afterwards. We're going to ask Pete, did it? Did anything seem amiss when he walked off the field, to put it into some context for us? Rivera is, of course, getting used to three key new players, and I say three because Curtis Samuel is really on the field for the first time since becoming a commander, aside from some fits and spurts in training camp last year. So that was one of the questions we wanted to know from Ron is how does Samuel look uh, and are we going to get to see him this year? I know who Curtis is. You know, we drafted him in Carolina and saw the success he had. So we believe his skill set fits what we want to do. We believe it fits very well. Uh, And we think he's a guy that, you know, as he continues to progress and gets healthier and healthier every day, um, you know, there'll be some good things for us with him on our offense. Let's hope so. I'm glad that Ron still believes in him, although I don't think – He really needed to tell us that, as we know he had him in Carolina, along with, it seems, about half of the roster here. But at least he was out there, and he went through the entire OTA and seemed to be okay. Now let's see what happens uh, with OTA uh, session number two coming up next week. All right, Jahan Dotson, your first-round wide receiver out of Penn State. Rivera said he looks good at least early on? Well, I, um, first of all, I like his r- route running. I, I think he, he runs very good routes. He's very precise with them, um, and he's got natural hands. It's just a matter now of him learning, developing, and, and growing within the scheme um, and, and really just refining his game. I mean, he, he knows how to act like a pro and be a pro, um, and so that, that's, a, that's a really good thing. You know, he and I had a nice conversation when we first drafted him. He first came in, had a chance to talk to him about, hey, look, you know, you're, 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 you're the lead rookie. I mean, you're, you're the guy that's going to set the tone for the group. And he seems to uh, adjust it very well and accepted that very nicely. And how about finally Carson Wentz? One of the things that you notice when you look at Carson Wentz, just when he steps on the field, this guy looks like a franchise quarterback. He's big. He's tall. He throws a rocket for a ball. Now, he doesn't always play like a franchise quarterback, but he's the closest thing that the commanders have had in years. And that includes Alex Smith. And for that matter, that includes RG3. In fact, I'll go so far as to say Carson Wentz is physically and talent-wise speaking the first franchise quarterback pretty much anyone can remember, maybe in the modern history of the Washington franchise. Yeah, that includes the quarterbacks in the glory days of Joe Jackson Gibbs. Remember, Gibbs won those three Super Bowl titles with three guys that were good quarterbacks for the time, but far from great quarterbacks for the time, including Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann was a very good quarterback. He was not a great quarterback. And in the confines and parameters of the modern NFL. This is the first time this team's had one. And here's what Ron thought about Carson on the first day. I thought Carson did some good things. You know, um, 
he did throw the pick today, but man, that was a pretty doggone good play by Corn uh, uh, Elder. I mean, it's very veteran move by Corn, but I thought he did some really good things. Got some pretty good rapport with his guys. The thing I like is again, it's about making good decisions. You're seeing a lot of good decisions out there right now. Um, I thought uh, Taylor had a pretty good day. He uh, he had a couple opportunities, he missed a couple of them, but uh, he threw the ball well. I thought again, uh, Sam came in, Howell did a nice job. And you always got to give the other guys their props too. That was Corn Elder that he was talking about early on, uh, is intercepting one of Carson Wentz's passes. We heard from Jahan Dotson uh, today, and um, all I have to say is extremely impressive. The dude sounds locked in and sounds like a serious guy. Take a listen, case in point, uh, his observation on his first day as a professional football player. Um, it was fun. Uh, was competing at a very high level against some guys who are very good at what they do at the highest level uh, of football. But, um, yeah, catching passes from Carson was – I said it was going to be a dream come true, so – Honestly, it's a dream come true, um, and I, I just can't. I'm looking forward to each and every day. As far as his impressions about his new quarterback, Carson Wentz, um, how precise he is. Um, when it, when he says he wants he wants you to be somewhere at this exact time, he, he means that. Um, and uh, I'm trying to do that every single day. Uh, just learning more and more about him as a as a pass catcher. What's interesting is. I see some of when Rivera talks about culture, you can see that kind of embodied in a guy like Jahan Dotson. I also think that's what you see in Terry McLaurin, which is why I think a deal that's done eventually. And it's what you see in a guy like Jonathan Allen, who they gave an extension to. That's not to say that Rivera is perfect. Far from it. There are a lot of questions that have to be answered. But in that small prism, you can kind of see what Rivera means and how that culture uh, manifesto that Rivera preaches has manifested itself in that case. When we come back, Commander's Insider Pete Haley of NBC Sports Washington joins us. It's the Bob Matthews Podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? Well, DraftKings Same Game Parlays lets you do just that. You create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. And it's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you get a deposit or withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, New Hampshire. 888-789-7777. Visit ccp.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Visit OPGR.org in Oregon, call or text TN Redline in Tennessee, that's 800-889-9789, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 
21 and older, 18 and older in Wyoming, fiscally present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Who let the dogs out? Time Talk OTAs, Washington Commanders Insider from NBC Sports Washington, Pete Big Dog Haley joining us today. How are you, Peter? I'm good, Bob. I'm interested by the Big Dog nickname. What has inspired you to go with it? I, I don't think anyone else has ever referred to me as Big Dog, it, it but I'm okay felt... with it. It's better than a lot of the nicknames I've gotten. Yeah, well, it, it's serendipitous. You, you talk, I, I was listening to you with, with JP and B. Mitch the other day. And you just mentioned something about the little dogs and the big dogs. And I think you might have kind of, uh, you know, mistakenly referred to yourself as a little dog. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Our Pete is not a little dog. The guy's been tackled by Brian Mitchell, for Christ's sake. He's a big dog. And he, we're running with the big dogs today. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, I, that, that explanation makes sense. I think I was just framing it as comparing myself to Beamich, but I guess everyone compared to Beamich is a little dog. So when I'm amongst other mere mortals, I'm okay with big dog. Let's do it. Exactly. Think of, think of you. Beamich is Thor. You're just an Asgardian. Now being just an Asgardian is still pretty strong, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's okay. just the difference between the God of Thunder and, 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 you know, the guy just walking down the street in New Asgard. That's all. No biggie. <laughs> when you put it like that, I, I'm on board. See, there you go. All right, let's talk us some football. Let's get on the field finally. Uh, yesterday, OTAs, part one. I guess, I, you know, I hate to cop out and just say your impressions at first. So let me start with Carson Wentz. Um, I noticed a picture, and I think you might have taken it. He and Taylor Heineke standing together. You can really tell just in that picture. It's so telling and obvious what a difference having a big stature quarterback makes, isn't it? Yes. Um, Antonio Gibson was asked for what he thought of Carson at the podium. And he said, well, he's really big. And then he tried to think of another quality to point out. And then he kind of stumbled. I was like, I mean, the guy's really big. And that <laughs> is kind of what was on the mind of myself and others is, man, this is going to be uh, a much different looking guy back there. And I keep thinking to one play last year in Denver, Taylor Heineke on an early fourth down, they had a play drawn up where he rolled out right, had an open receiver, but but he said a linebacker got in his face. He just couldn't see him. The play gets off schedule and they turn it over. Those types of things aren't going to happen with Carson. He's going to be able to see over and around players. He's going to be able to shake off sacks, hopefully stay healthy for the full season, be able to be used on even. So um, love the guy's size. The ball comes out really well. All the physical stuff is there. For me, it's about the processing of the playbook and how well he gets along with teammates and how well he handles coaching. So you have been around this team during OTAs for the last, for quite a few years now compare and because it's hard to extrapolate. It's almost impossible to extrapolate things first day of OTAs to, you know, the kickoff of the season, but are there any differences you see in Carson Wentz versus the other quarterbacks you have seen 
at OTAs in the past years? That's a really good question that I'll probably have a better answer for in <laughs> August when training camp is really underway. But, um, you know, certainly the only guy I've really seen with the ball come out of his hands like that is Dwayne Haskins. Um, other players, Heineke, Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith, um, even Kirk, it, it, it just there's more of a direct quality off the hands. It's a laser to the receiver. It mm-hmm. seems like it just really sizzles on the way there. And Dwayne's the only other guy who I felt like had really plus arm strength like Carson does. We, we didn't get to see Carson really, really open it up, go deep. It was rainy. There wasn't you know much activity in terms of 11 on 11, seeing as it's the first OTAs of the year. But come training camp, preseason, when he starts to arch those shoulders, and look 20, 30, 50 yards downfield, then I think it will become even more apparent just how much he's going to open up the system for Scott Turner. I can, we could almost say, ask the same question about Jahan Dotson. Again, uh, not too many first round ride receivers. His almost namesake is the one we all default to. But when you look at a guy like Jahan Dotson compared to other receivers that you have seen in the past, again, anything stand out or anything look different about him just never really any wasted movement uh, between rookie minicamp and now the first ota session everything is super precise um he can he's been well coached but he's also just really serious about football too and i think he deserves a lot of credit on his own for caring about how he rounds his routes how he catches the ball in stride getting his feet and just all the small details seem to really matter to him you see certain receivers and drills maybe looping more as opposed to going from you know hitting a corner and then really stepping cutting inside some guys will lollygag will round it out but it's not the case with him um just a very mature player both personality wise and skill set wise and i think he's definitely going to be a immediate year one contributor the old thing about receivers was that they needed a year or two to settle in that certainly changed now with the justin jeffersons and jamar chases of the world mm-hmm. dotson may not be on their caliber in terms of explosive numbers but he's definitely going to be a key cog of the offense early 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 on we heard from ron yesterday talked about chase and chase's rehabbing and not here um any concern about that is that a, a big deal a little deal or a no deal at this point do you think i put it it's i don't know i don't want to be alarmist but i'll put it between little deal and big deal so i guess it's a medium deal because look if he's in colorado and they have special facilities and they're focusing on his knee he can do more out there i get all that and he's on a schedule he wants to hit every checklist item on his recovery i also get that the last year him and montez when they missed it became a bit of a a headline a bit of a distraction it was something we talked about often from that point on and then jack del rio comes out a couple weeks Julie Donaldson and says he wants more buy-in from the defense and lo and behold Chase and Montez aren't there the first open session Montez was excused for a personal reason and there are certain different personal reasons if he was shooting a commercial that's not great if it was something that was his family okay that's fine but I don't know to have them both not be there again after what we went through 12 months ago with them not being there I thought it was just a pretty ominous start to things and it, it, it may not make a difference come the season that's not going to stop people from that and saying, Hey, if they're slow starting, why weren't those guys in OTAs? Is there a connection between the two? And you would have liked for them to be present. So that option just doesn't exist for us. 
Sorry. Were you buying the explanations that Ron was was giving about uh, the two of them? I mean, obviously Cam Sims, self-explanatory. Same with Terry McLaurin; he's looking for a contract. But were you were you buying Ron's spin yesterday? Yeah, I think. Like, look, we know Chase has been out in college, but also Ron said maybe in uh, league meetings or the combine March or April that he expected Chase to be there, and then he wasn't there. So, is there? just miscommunication going on? Are they not on the same page after a year in which Chase was doing something on the field that Ron wasn't a fan of? And it seemed like maybe there's a little bit of conflict. Is that sort of gap between them still existent? Uh, Montez, again, the personal excuse is something, you know, when people say that at your work or my work, you, you can't really ask them or push them on it. And you don't want to be the a-hole who's saying, wow, show up to work when something <laughs> serious is going on. Montez right. has certainly had some serious things in his personal life recently, but, um, until we sort of figure out what happened with him and also just how much Chase is doing in Colorado. Would have been nice for them to just be there so we don't have to have this conversation at all. We can talk about how they looked or just their presence as leaders. Instead, it's where were they? Uh, the, uh, I guess the final uh, part of, uh, I guess the final part of uh, as the world turns in Ashburn, uh, Deron Payne, we saw the headlines yesterday. I heard JP talking about it today. What was your impression of that? Uh, you know, anything to it? So, yeah, it was, it's, that story came out, um, you know, when these practices are happening, there's all different position groups. There's all different drills. There are fields. You can only really focus on a certain portion, like maybe one half of the field. And there's four halves of the two fields. These guys are on. I had no idea Jerron even walked off. Now, did he storm off? Was he slamming pads? If he was doing that, I think I would have seen it or would have heard about it. But we went through all those post-practice press conferences and nobody mentioned it. And if that happens to a point where it's so obvious, that's going to be the first thing we ask Ron about. So I don't think it was some grand demonstration. And honestly, if you think about it, it makes sense. If Terry wants a new contract, he didn't show up at all. If Duran wants one, then he's not going to do the team stuff either. At least kudos to him for showing up and still doing lifting and meetings afterward. If you want to put them all on a scale, then Duran was more of a good teammate, quote unquote, a good soldier, quote unquote, more than Terry, Chase, Montez were uh, at OTA. So that's more of a small deal to me. Now he could maybe get more and more pissed, but um, I don't think that was necessarily this huge disaster. I think it was just a player being smart and not wanting to risk injury when we're still in May and football starts really in September. Yeah, I mean, we all remember what happened to Ruben Foster and it's, it's interesting to hear you put it in those terms, because you're right. I think someone of all of you guys who was out there covering it would have noticed if it was more of an Albert Hainsworth type situation right. than, than what it was. Um, let's switch gears uh, and talk about uh, all the drama off the field. Interesting thing that I heard you say on Monday uh, about the ownership group and that you think eventually Dan Snyder will be out or could be out um, as, as the owner Anything, what, first off, what makes you, what makes you think that? Yeah. So as I said, and I've said it for a while, like eventually is so vague and I, I can't say whether it's a year, five years, 20 years, but I just think ultimately whenever this is done, Dan will be forced to give up the commanders as opposed to him choosing to do so, or as opposed to him handing it off to his family and, and that being it, I think it's going to be taken from him. And this was after that USA Today story. Since then, a post story has come out saying other owners haven't pushed for a vote. They're just pissed off. They want a suspension, whatever. 
to me, the fact that any owners at all are starting to have this conversation matters. It was long assumed that every other owner in the sport would want this to be kept hush-hush so their shops wouldn't be examined and ripped apart. Some of them at least are annoyed enough with Dan that they want him gone. And who knows? It could just be his rival owners trying to, you know, uh, draw attention to him. It could be really, truly influential owners who are trying to start a movement. Regardless, between that and just the overall temperature of our world and the accountability that's being put in front of billionaires of all walks of life. I, I don't know if Dan can allegedly treat people the way he allegedly treats them and allegedly mm. cheat and take money <laughs> and not face repercussions at some point. It might be naive. Maybe, maybe I'm underestimating the NFL sort of uh, brotherhood or, or looking out for their own. But I think eventually Dan Snyder will not be the owner of the commanders. It'll be somebody else. And that will happen because it's taken from them. Uh, and you guys mostly deal with the stuff on the field, but what I'm wondering is, is what kind of a politician is in maybe living up in Northern Virginia, you can, you can explain this more, but what kind of a politician is going to want to give at this point, Dan Snyder, public money to build a stadium anywhere. That's always what I thought might be the most likely route of him selling the team is that he just can't get a deal anywhere for a new place, despite the fact that they have the options on the land and all that stuff. Yeah, it's doing getting into business with Dan Snyder right now doesn't seem like a very good move for the other side of whatever deal that is, which is maybe why I'm sort of pushing or thinking that they're just going to end up at Landover. We've heard that that area is going to put together a $400 million package for the infrastructure around the stadium. It's not necessarily for the stadium. That's going to have to come from Dan and who knows where else, mm -hmm. but that's already been pledged and um, I understand that the Woodbridge thing is is going on right now, and maybe they just want to go deeper into Virginia and, and try and start fresh down there and keep away from Ravens country and Eagles country, whatever. But um, the stadium stuff is interesting. It's so drawn out. It's You want a conclusion to it, but there certainly doesn't seem to be one in sight. But Dan's tenuous status as owner clearly isn't helping, and I'm not sure who, like you asked. I mean, I'm answering your question by just repeating it. <laughs> Who would want to do it with Dan Snyder? I don't think many people want to hang out with that guy right now. No, no, I definitely do not think so. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, what is next for this team? Uh, OTAs again next week. Am I right? OTAs on June 1st is when we can go out there again. Then I think they close up June 8th. And then the week after that is mini camp. We'll be out there all three days. That's mandatory. So if Chase, Montez, Terry hasn't shown up up until that point, then that could be a really uh, intriguing sort of crossroads for, for those guys. Um, and then big, long break training camp end of July. So we have five more open practices as a media group to evaluate. Then we chill for a month and a half and then it's, then it's all speed ahead. And I can't wait for that. All gas, no breaks. It's going to be here before we know it. Peter, thank you very much. I appreciate it. As always, you are a good sport to do this. Yeah, Bob, thank you very much, and uh, good luck with your show in the future. I appreciate it, my friend, and thank you so much. That's going to do it for us. Mix the clock on the wall, so we got to get out of here. Have a good one. Don't forget OTAs again next week after the Memorial Day weekend, first week of June. We will have it for you as well as reaction from it. And like the wise man once said, if you're on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. Hey, I'm
Hey.